the greatest state in the world. Yes, when it comes to high school sports anyway, I am talking about the grand old peach state, none other than the state of Georgia. And listen, my name is Gabriel Stovall. I am your host today for what I am launching. We're launching, relaunching, if you will, the Check Down Podcast. I say relaunching because I started an iteration of this couple of years ago with my old buddy. Shout out to Brian Paglia, the former sports editor at Forsyth County News up there and coming. And uh, we, uh, and I also knew him. He's also like the graphic design extraordinaire guy at the Clayton News Daily almost 10 years ago when we met. Makes me feel old. But listen, uh, he, he moved on to bigger things as the managing editor now at Forsyth County News. Uh, but guess what? I've got a good old crew of people that are right here with me and we're getting ready to kick this thing off again. Why the Checkdown Podcast? Because we know that Georgia sports is a big deal, right? Georgia high school sports is a major, major deal. Uh, and not even just from a popularity standpoint, but even more so becoming a big deal from a financial standpoint. High school athletics is becoming a cash cow, guys, whether you like it or not. And we're here because we want to touch every single corner of the state when it comes to the excellence that is high school sports and athletics and even some collegiate stuff as well right here in the good old state of Georgia. And so again, my name is Gabriel Stovall. Some of you uh, know me from various different uh, uh, places and stops that I've had along the way. I've been living in Atlanta for like the last 14 years. I've been doing sports journalism for the last 10. Started out at Clayton News Daily, uh, Henry da- uh, Daily Herald with my boy. I call him the chief, uh, Derek Mahone, the sports editor. The, he is the uh, he is one of the, the, the original uh, of sports editing as far as I'm concerned uh, in terms of people that I uh, revere. And so he's over at Douglas County Sentinel right now, but I uh, got started with him and uh, then uh, spent the last three years or so at the uh, at the Covington News in Newton County, uh, where I met some of the people that will be you'll be hearing from not just today, but in weeks to come. Uh, so I was the sports editor there, spent some time as the executive director of Georgia Sports Writers Association uh, last September. I took a job, took me out of sports. I'm still working that job. Love it. It's awesome. It's a non-sports writing job. But guess what, guys? I'm itching like I'm allergic to something, man. I need to get back into sports. And and so so even though I'm still doing that, uh, shout out to the North American Mission Board. It gives me an awesome opportunity to use my gifts for the glory of God. Uh, but uh yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back in sports. And so the greatest thing that could have ever happened, at least as far as I'm concerned, is when the good folks down there in Thomaston, the Georgia High School Association said, guess what, guys? June 8th is back on. Sports is coming back. Of course, we know this has been a crazy time uh, with the pandemic, coronavirus pandemic and all that stuff. But we're going to get to that later. Don't let me get ahead of myself. Y'all, if you know me, know that I love to talk and I will talk. And I've got my guy who's laughing at my, me uh, talking about talking. He's right here next to me. His name is Mr. Michael Pope. Man, say hello to the people. What's up, everybody? I mean, you can see the excitement Dave's exuding right now. I yeah. got that same excitement. We're yeah. ready for sports. We're ready for sports. Kind of make its way back in. 
You talked a little bit about your long, illustrious career. I don't know about illustrious, man, but it, it's, it's been there. Yeah. I've got a little bit of a shorter career, kind of a young budding career. I'd even, ex uh, it, that's how I would describe it, I guess. Yeah. But start off uh, my career kind of at the University of Georgia, studied there for a UGA. little bit. I uh, got my journalism degree from Georgia, but at the end of my journalism career, I met a guy. Uh, right here, sitting right next to me. Who's that guy? Did he, oh, me? You talking about me? Took me under his wing at Covington oh, News. And, and man, I've learned so much from him. I, I even got the opportunity to be sports editor at Covington News for a little bit. And, and they decided to go in a different direction, but I was still excited to get back to sports. Yeah. And then boom, coronavirus hit and it yeah. kind of put that sports world at a standstill. But Excited to be back and excited to talk a little sports with you and excited to bring you back into the fray in the man, sports world. Man, I'm trying to tell you, bro. It's been like, I feel like a kid at Christmas in June, man. <laughs> like, this is great. And, and so, Michael, man, so let me tell you all a little bit about Michael. Michael is a fantastic um, uh, journalist, sports journalist. Not just because he went to the vaunted UGA School of Journalism, uh, but because he is uh, just an amazing guy, when it, especially when it comes to uh, uh, the digital world of sports journalism. Matter of fact, uh, so the Covington News, where I was, was my last sports job. Uh, we actually carved out a pretty cool uh, reputation of kind of taking sports beyond just the old gamers and the regular, you know, reporting stuff. And man, we implemented some digital aspects to our coverage and really just kind of took some things to the next level. And, um, you know, I know I had the title of sports editor and, you know, when all the awards and different things come your way, you know, they, they look at the person who's leading, but man, there is absolutely no way I could have, and we could have done anything, uh, without such a amazing, crew and team that we had michael pope was right there in the middle of it man he was he brought he brought that digital video uh, uh aspect to our coverage as an intern and then he kept on working man i dude i think i think i had and i'm just not saying this just because it's me and just because i'm here but i think i had the best crew of freelance stringer sports journalists in the state of Georgia, man. Like, like when we would turn out some of the stuff that we would turn out, I can't tell you how many times people would hit me up and be like, dude, how much are you paying these people? <laughs> I'm like, I'm paying them the same thing everybody else, but about, about $25, $30 a, a hit, right? Cause you don't get, you don't get rich. All you young, uh, aspiring sports journalists out there, you, you don't get rich, uh, doing freelance for the local newspapers. I can guarantee you that I got my cameraman Bailey back in the back shaking his head. No, he's, Shaking his head, nobody's shaking in agreement because he knows, uh, you know, you you don't you don't get rich. Matter of fact, man, a cool story. So when I first uh, started back, I, I got went to school, at the University of Nebraska Lincoln, um, before I came here. Uh, some of you who know me know that I'm also a pastor preacher, uh, and so I, I came here as pastoring for a while, and I started doing some different things, and I needed more. I needed money. I, I needed a job, and so I said, you know what, I'm going to ride back on what I'm used to in terms of my journalism background and I started at the Clayton News Daily uh, when Derek Mahone was the um, was the uh, sports editor there and uh, and I remember um, hitting him up and like hey uh, I think it was like it, it was only like one name in the whole sports section it was like five articles and it was like one name wrote, wrote all of them all of my small paper, small town paper uh, sports editors know exactly what I'm talking about uh, and so I was like man these folk need some help so I hit him up and was like him and I think Daryl 
Maxie was doing some writing there. Uh, and I said, hey, guys, if, if you need some help, I'm available. And so um, they took me on. I, I wrote. I remember the first game I covered uh, was a new – it was – oh, man, I think it was actually a Douglas County school that was playing at Clayton County Schools up in New Manchester uh, High School. And, um, yeah, $35 a story. And, and when – you know, for me, I'm sitting here like, dude, I, I you know – it's nice, but but I need a little something else. And uh, so I just told him, I said, man, load me up with everything you got. And uh, so eventually that turned into me becoming a full-time writer there. And I joined Derek Mahone, as I said before, joined Brian Paglia, who was there. And uh, and then the next guy that I'm going to introduce to you, he was a guy that, uh-oh, I spilled the water all over the place. Don't, 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 don't mind that. He was a guy that I met at... Uh, at the Clayton News Daily, Henry Daily Herald as well. And he is another person who really just kind of his presence, man, just took the things that we were doing even at Clayton to a whole new level. And that is none other than cameraman extraordinaire, uh, Jason Muscle, man. Jason Muscle, say, say hello to the people, man. Hey, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> Good to be on here with Gabe. And, uh, like Michael said earlier, Gabe's got some big, uh, some big coattails and big wings. I think he's drugged half the people in sports journalism <laughs> in the South that. Atlanta Don't do that to me. <laughs> You're going to have people showing up at my house with torches and stuff, man. They're going to be trying to take me down. But uh, but no, that that's, you know, I, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity I've had to, to do the things I've been able to do uh, in sports here in the state of Georgia. And uh, Jason and I were actually talking before we got on air about some of the greatest moments that uh he that he and i kind of shared when we were doing stuff in uh in henry and clayton county and uh jason just i I know there was so much that was down there man but but give me like what's like your top moment like what 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 are your top couple of moments that if you could just boil it all down to one or two that you remember that really just said you know what this is fun we need to do this as much as we possibly can yeah i mean it started off there Clayton News Daily, Henry Harold uh, with Gabe and Brian. And uh, I think the second year that I was covering varsity sports instead of finally made it out of the JV world. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so, any of you photojournalists, you got to stick with it. Get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pay your dues. No, we, we kind of did an, I don't know, what would you say, Gabe? In depth kind of team tag along with uh, Eagles Landing, the high Definitely. school Definitely. Uh, basketball team, varsity boys team there. Uh, on their way to the championship and just all kind of personal stories that came up, health stories that came up. I mean, it was like the perfect storm of, of every opportunity from personal interest to success on the court to overcoming things off the court. Coach, uh, was just great there I, that whole year. I mean, that, yeah. that really opened my eyes to how, how things can be more than just a sports picture or a sports article. It goes a lot deeper than that. Yeah. We had the chance, man, to do some really comprehensive stuff. And, and it, and it's really, I know for me per, personally and professionally, that's what kind of set the theme and the foundation for just how I wanted to cover sports, man. I got, you know, we, we, I remember the Eric Wortham story about how he basically almost died in the cafeteria, you know, with, with, with some sort of a heart failure and they brought him back. And, and, you know, one of the coaches, I think it was actually, actually, um, coach Joe Technip, the late Joe Technip, who was the, uh, head football coach at Eagles, uh, Eagles Landing. He passed away a few years ago to, uh, to cancer. And he was the one that kind of came in and, and got a jolted him back to life and just, you know, stories like that and th- that are interesting anyway. But then you put that in conjunction with a state title run. Like that's just 
amazing. So we we had some great, great times there. Of course, the Jonesboro State Championship teams, Mim J. Walker and all them. So yeah, it was it was it was great. And I'm excited to have Jason back with his uh his his stash of, of top notch equipment that we're here making use of and uh and uh and of course Michael with me. We've got some others that as we continue on uh over the next weeks we're gonna try to make this. I'm still trying to debate is it bi weekly, weekly? I don't know. We'll figure it out. I might poll y'all on Twitter or something, <laughs> and y'all can help me decide. But but um when we do this, you're going to hear more uh, names big shout out to Tyler Williams who was a big part of my of our team in Covington Tyler is actually uh, lending his voice to uh, the uh, protests uh, for uh, you know for for police brutality and in the wake of George Floyd's uh, unfortunate and and just really heinous murder at the hands of a police officer and we'll talk some more about that because believe it or not all of these things uh, have an effect on the sports world you know and I think that's one thing that I love about sports is the fact that we can touch so many different angles and aspects of society through sports it's not just about bouncing the ball on the court throwing the football in the air Uh, there's a lot of societal and cultural aspects to what we do uh, as well that touches our sports world so that's cool you've heard from Michael you've heard from Jason now you're gonna hear from a special treat I'm excited about this guy that I'm getting ready to introduce to you now. His name is the Water Boy, aka I Love Turtles, aka the 2019 defending national AAU national taekwondo championship. And that's for real, y'all. I'm not just making that up as I go along. None other than tell him your name. Micah Stovall. Micah Stovall. He is my son, my pride and joy. Now, I can't promise he's got a very busy schedule. You know, he's got a very, very full calendar. So I can't promise that Micah will always be here with me every week. But he's here with us now. And uh, and guess what? I'm excited about it. So, Micah, tell him how old you are, man. Nine. You're nine years old. I just turned nine like you, a month ago. A month ago. So you still remember. You, you. So kids normally count up to their birthday, but you're like counting after as well. That's interesting. Are you Now, how long before you start counting up to 10? I'm talking about your age. I know oh. you can count to 10. <laughs> He's like, don't insult my intelligence, daddy. How long before you start counting down? I, maybe I should say it that way. How long before you start counting down to age 10? November 3rd. November. Okay, so you already in your mind, November third is when you're going to start counting toward Asia. This is a very cerebral kid, guys. Just in case you didn't know, uh, he already has it in his mind when he's going to start counting down toward his next birthday. So, listen. First thing I want to do is uh, just, I just, there's so many different things that we could talk to this kid about. Uh, you know, like I said, martial artist extraordinaire through Taekwondo. Shout out to Georgia Elite Taekwondo uh, out of Forest Park, Georgia. He, uh, that is where. Um, he, uh, goes to school where he has learned his, his craft as a martial artist. Uh, so shout out to them and all the people that are there, but he has an impressive array of basketball knowledge, especially the NBA. So I want to ask, cause, the, cause when we we're driving over here, he had something just, just burning on him that he wanted to talk about. And I could tell it was burning on him cause he talked about it the whole way here. Now I'm going to give him about two minutes to discuss what it is that's burning on his heart, the water boy. You know, it's, you, you, that name does have some significance because you're at the Forest Park High School uh, girls games with your mom and shout out to the state champs. 
Uh, but uh, you're there on the sidelines with them. It makes you feel important, as you said, gives mm-hmm. you a sense of importance. It's, those were his words exactly. Um, but but what is burning on you about the NBA right now? Um, now come on, don't be Jim, shy. Jim Boylan, should he be fired or is he already fired? Wow. So Jim Boylan, help us out for those of us who don't know who that is. Jim Boylan is the coach of the Chicago Bulls and one of the worst coaches of all time. Oh, <laughs> guys, sizzling hot takes. Maybe we should tag the Chicago Bulls in this when we put this up on, 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 on the interwebs. So, Micah, why do you have such a strong feeling that this, this man should lose his job? I will give you three reasons. Three reasons. Number one yes. is... um. They have a 2-23 and 23 record against teams 500 and better. Number two, I mean, number two yeah. is um, their, their largest winning streak is two games. And Jim Boylan does not get along with the coaching staff and or the players. Wow. So what's your third one? The third one is that he's just bad. <laughs> oh my goodness. So okay, so now I'm gonna put you on the spot now. Yep. I like the first one, you know, this stat is amazing. Two and twenty-three. Was that what you said? Two and twenty-three against teams of five hundred or better? That's mm-hmm. amazing. So I'm gonna put you on the spot. Yeah. Who's who who give me your top three replacements for, for, for Mr. Boylan? Who should if because here's the thing, man, you don't fire a guy. You gotta have somebody in place. Give me top three that you wanna see. Um I was about to say Greg Popovich, but there's no way he's going to get him because he's probably going to retire after this year. I think so. Um, another spot is probably – I don't know if Tyron Lu is still in the um, spot for a coach, so it's probably Tyron Lu because you can see how he um, um, made the 2016 Cavaliers um, to the championship. Obviously, it was LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, but also Tyron Lue had a really good big part of that because the co- the coach is really overlooked and he's getting comfortable in the sport. Yeah, and um, a sport because the coach without the coach, then if you if you have a bad coach, then your team might be bad unless unless you're like the Golden State Warriors last year. <laughs> <laughs> what um, made them so special? <laughs> you talking you about know, last year? No, like 2018. Okay, okay. The, the championship ones, not the No, not the ones. championship ones. They you didn't don't... win a championship. Toronto. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, well, you know what I'm talking about. They, they, <laughs> yeah. See, you know what I'm talking about. So so that team, okay, I got you. I got yeah. you. Okay. They had the um, – Tyron Lou would be a really good fit for um, for um, the Bulls yeah. because – even though he didn't have that much young talent for Cleveland, I just feel that he would be able to work well with Jack Levine, Lori Markin, and Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., Ryan Arciacano, and people like that. Y'all, do you hear what this young man is doing? I don't know half of the people that he just rattled off. And I am a professional sports writer. This dude is nine. He's giving me the whole roster. I love it. I love it. This is what I have to contend with every day. Y'all pray for me. But, um, yeah. So, so that, so, so those are, those are the reasons why you feel like that, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's that's the best option for for coaching Chicago Bulls. Tyron Lue, mm-hmm. you know Tyron Lue. You know what? Me and Tyron yeah. Lue got a tie, right? Yeah. What's that? 
I don't know. You don't know? Oh, think oh, hard. Because he got stepped over by Alabama. No, no, that's not that's <laughs> not it. And he doesn't. I mean, that happened before he was even born. So I don't even know why he knows that. Tyron Lue, come on, think hard. Tyron Lue. Where? Why do we have a connection, me and Tyron Lue? Tyron Lue. Where am I from? Nebraska. Where He's he from play? Nebraska. He played college basketball at the University of Nebraska. He's from Raytown, Missouri, I think, Kansas City area. But he played college ball, one of the best players that ever came through Nebraska. So, absolutely. You know what, man? Yep. I think we got to get you a, your own segment, dude. Okay. I think we need to get you your own segment. Not today, but <laughs> but, but, but at some point, we got to get you your own segment. Maybe we'll call it something like the starting five with Micah or something like that. What do you think about that? Um, I have an idea. What? Why the Hawks are so trash? I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> don't do that. You love the Hawks. I man. know, you but like them. they're, you know what I'm thinking. I, I know what you're <laughs> thinking. I know what you're thinking. And we will have, and we will give you some time next Ooh. week to talk about the Hawks. Uh, and uh, we know you are one of the. You, what did you brand yourself as? The biggest Atlanta Hawks fan under the age of ten in the world. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah. So we'll give you some time when we come back next week to talk to you about the, to let you talk to us about the Hawks. Does that sound good to you? Wait, before we before I have one thing. About oh, you got one more thing left. Okay, what's up? If the Hawks ever get the number one pick, yes, there's two players. There's two players that I have in mind. Who are they? Anthony Edwards and Obi Toppin. Anthony Edwards and who? Obi Toppin. Okay. Tell me why Obi Toppin. I know why Anthony Edwards. Tell me why Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin was the college player of the year out of Dayton. And um, he would be a really good fit with the Hawks because he is a really good shooter and a really good um, um, player in the pick and roll. And Trey Young thrives in the pick and roll. And um, the Hawks are a really um, good pace and space team. But the, wait, wait, the, the wait, hold on. You said the Hawks are really good. What pace and space? My lord. Okay, keep go. Go ahead. Keep talking. Um, and if they add Anthony, I mean, if they add Obi Toppin, there would be a, it would be a really good fit because they need a, because they need a um, powerful. Well, not really. They need a backup power forward. Yeah. Because the backup power forward now is Scott BC here. So, mm. um, they would be really good for the Obi Toppin because. That reason, dude. I'm just gonna step back and let you just have this thing. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you, you're beasting today. That's good stuff, man. Like I said, this dude needs it. He needs his own segment, man. What y'all think? He needs. He he, he oh, needs. Yeah. Huh? I'm learning stuff right now from him. I'd say you li- you live the real life. Uh, pardon the interruption. You got your own ESPN. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, man. Good stuff, man. Appreciate you, Waterboy. Much love to you, man. Listen, so so listen, we're gonna have fun on this podcast because uh sports is fun, but also we cannot uh ignore the fact that there are some serious matters. There are some 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 ways, and I said it earlier, kind of how uh you know sports intersects with our mainstream society. And and I just want to kind of chat about that because I know back around March. 15th ish or so when uh everything kind of shut down because of the coronavirus pandemic uh you know at, at first man you know i think everybody was sitting there thinking michael that you know what uh i'm gonna get about two or three weeks you know to, to work from home and and chill at the house and you know regroup you know maybe a month at best and this is gonna blow over and we'll be all back to normal in a few weeks and then the nba shut down and then it was like domino effect, right? Because then the NBA shut down. And who was the next one? Was it? Well, yeah, like March, Madness. March Madness. March Madness. 
I, I can't remember what was the next league, but I'll, I'll just never forget. I was watching a basketball game. They were getting ready to tip off. I think it was Jazz and and maybe the Pelicans. And, and the Thunder. Yeah. The Thunder. And, and they're getting ready to go out, and then the players just never come out, and they yeah. cancel the game. And that was a surreal moment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're, we're legitimately looking into the eyes that we are not going to have any sports. And when it happened, it, it caught me by surprise, and I'm, I know it caught everyone else by surprise. The surreal moment for me, man, I'm watching a game, and I can't even remember what, which game it was. I was actually watching that was playing. Were you? Were you? Well, the Knicks or the Hawks were playing, but there was another that was on on TV, and I was actually watching. It might have been the Lakers, as a matter of fact. But but it was surreal because it was like, hey, they're playing this game, but the commentators and everybody are talking about how when this game is over, this is it. Like, and we don't know oh, when yeah, it's coming back. Yeah, it may, it may have been, and it's like we don't know when we're coming back, you That's know. Right. And so it was crazy. And so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, sports is going away. And then I remember, like that next Friday, man, I called it Black Friday for sports journalists because I got on Twitter, and I kid you not, there were like 15 uh, sports journalists that I knew of, young men, young women veterans in the business people that have been doing this for 30 40 years and all of a sudden they have no job like it it is just done like and and i remember man feeling so upset about that because i was sitting here thinking to myself like just because sports the games are stopping doesn't mean that sports has stopped and and i'm sitting here like dude you know there are other ways to capture sports stories than just having the fodder of the games themselves michael it kind of goes back to what you and Jason were talking about is sports. It goes so much beyond dribbling a basketball or throwing a football. You, you, you start seeing these, these personal interest stories off the field. I mean, you're talking about so many seniors that are losing their senior season from spring sports. Those types of stories, I think, would definitely pique the interest of so many people. And, and seeing these, you know, small town journalists lose their jobs because the actual ball isn't being dribbled on right. the court was so – it's just it was tough to see. It, it was, man, and, and and I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, so what are you going to do when sports does do, when the sports do come back? Like, because they're coming back. It's not like sports have been banished from our society, you know, for for forever and ever, amen. Because even now we know June eighth, you know, the GHSA, which is local to us, Georgia High School Association, sports are coming back, and now we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, but but my hope is that some of these these people that have lost their jobs man uh will be able to find may, maybe be able to slide back into their papers uh or, or to their publications i don't know but what that did to me and i'm gonna tell you jason it, it did to me too man uh it made me realize and you know i may catch some flack from some publishers or whatever that that uh, think differently uh and they're saying that i don't i'm not privy to all the information they have but it made me think that people really don't appreciate the value of of good sports coverage, man. Like like it they, like the way that we did things back when we were in Clayton, back when we were in Henry, all that sort of stuff. You know, going deeper than just the stats. Give your journalists an opportunity to be able to do that kind of work, right? And not just and not just have to focus on the games and not just put this message out that if if that it's all about the gamers, it's all about the like you said, the balls dribbling on the court, the footballs flying in the air, the baseballs flying from the mound to the batter's box. It's more than that. Give your journalists the opportunity to become storytellers in these moments. Well, and we we've always talked about how 
in, in the local sports scene, uh, it, that's kind of the lifeblood of a paper, I feel like. It, not a lot of people are going to be looking in that paper to see what kind of crime is going on unless it's a major story. But sports is why people buy papers, in my opinion. And, it is. And when, you, when you look at the sports around the local Atlanta area and Georgia area, that driving force was kind of just cut off with all these people being dismissed as sports, you know, editors and writers. I can't tell you how many times when I was even just in Covington where people were, were emailing me or calling us up and saying, you know what? Uh, I, I, the only reason why I subscribe is, and this is no slight on the Covington news as a paper, but it just, I'm just telling you what the people were saying. The only reason why I subscribe to these newspapers is because of the sports coverage that people are putting out. And I think people, miss and they just don't get how much it impacts from a revenue standpoint from a just a a a pushing your your publications brand standpoint you can transform your entire publication your entire news outlet by by investing in quality sports coverage man and i hope this is something that people will begin to understand as we go forward and i mean i'd even heard from people that weren't a part of your covington news team about the work you guys were doing and and you talked about it, it was that team i mean the dedication of guys like tyler right and matt Grimes, yeah and Zay, those guys they, they were taking it all every week they were taking what you were putting out to them and they were taking it to the next level absolutely and that's what made covington news i feel like so successful as a whole, not just the sports area, but people were tuning in. Like, look at what this local paper, local is paper, doing. weekly. Like, we weren't, we weren't oh, yeah. daily. You know, it was a weekly, it was a every, every weekend type newspaper. You know, yeah. And people were tuning in because of the way you guys were showing games or anything. I mean, it was just, it was outstanding. Absolutely. Yeah, we we sat in a car nine and a half years ago after we covered that last bit of the tournament with Gabe, and Gabe said the reason that people aren't successful in sports industry, sports journalism industry, that they don't put the work in it takes to be able to ask for these deeper stories. You can cover the Friday night games. You can post scores. You can do all the surface stuff. But if you haven't put the work in, you haven't put the hours that it takes to earn the trust to ask them to share personal stories, it's not going to last. Absolutely. This was way before any of this other downturn, COVID-19, anything like that. And that principle is exactly what Gabe's taking from place to place. That's what makes meaningful connections. That's what opens stories past the field, off the court, behind the scenes. That's the only reason. And so it's just, I don't understand how people don't make that connection. It's amazing to me, man. And, and, and that's why, like, Jason, you make great point. Like, I always kind of fashion the kind of sports coverage that I want to do is like, I, I fashion, I, I liken it to the, the athletic, uh, for, for, for prep sports. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and that's a whole other story. The athletic is, you know, let some folks go and, and that's unfortunate. But, but, you know, and I, I know it's not a perfect model, but I'm just talking about in terms of the coverage that they give, how deep they go. Uh, it proves because one of the things I used to hear, especially when, uh, video and digital started becoming more in vogue, uh, people were saying, you know, folks don't want to read anymore. They just want to watch videos. They just want to watch, you know, social media. They just want, but like places like the athletic, uh, prove that, yeah, give us the multimedia. But when we're putting out 1500 word, 2000 word stories that are getting shared across multiple social media platforms and means it proves that yes, people like the digital, people like the multimedia, but people still want to read good sports stories. They still want to read good sports journalism beyond just 
who won last night and and how many yards or points did they <laughs> did they have or did they score? And so so that kind of this is something that I want to kind of talk about as we get closer to edging into our talk uh, talks about GHSA uh, situation. How important? So we're we're looking at we don't we, we don't know yet when. You know, we we know that schools and everything are going to start, you know, popping into action with with conditioning and different things like that. The GHSA gave the date of June eighth, but uh, Jason, I think you you read a, a a stat where you said like like more than half of of some of the schools in Metro Atlanta area at least are are saying, hey, I'm I'm we're going to push back even further, right? Yeah. So the basically twenty one of the school systems out of those twenty one school systems, forty five schools said they're going to green light their programs on Monday, but eighty eight are holding off. Yeah. So some of those maybe till you know June fifteenth, some till July sixth. Like some of the local ones, I, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out for sure. And see, this is the thing with me. I'm sitting here like, okay, I'm thinking football. If you're, if you have done nothing since March and then you're coming back in June, July, you know, and then you're talking about having a season kicking off in August, like, like maybe for some of the five star guys and the upper echelon guys who you know are still out there trying to figure out how to, you know, get a workout in and whatnot, they might be okay. But I'm concerned about some of these other guys that may not play beyond high school. How are we? Are we? Could can we expect to see more injuries? Are we going to see? You know, are our personal trainers going to be more in vogue? I mean, what does this mean if we are going to push uh, the activity as far out as till June to July? Should we not also be looking at maybe pushing the season out, the start of the season out to maybe late September, October, truncating it to where instead of playing ten games, we're playing seven? I mean, like. I don't know, guys. What am I? Am I? Am I crazy and thinking like this? No, no. Yeah, when you made that point, that was the first thing I thought of was conditioning. I mean, you're talking about so many kids out here that that may not even be putting in any work right now. And when you try to hit a football field after no conditioning, that's a dangerous. That's a dangerous game to play with a lot of athletes. And, and we've seen in years past. I mean, kids having heat exhaustion in practices yeah. and stuff like that. So you're you're talking about pushing past that conditioning and then still starting the season at the same time. I think they need to maybe take a page out of these, you know, higher leagues books like the NBA and maybe push the season back a little bit. But that's going to take some conversations that leagues are going to have to have across the board. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I and I don't know if people are going to be willing to acquiesce to those types of, you know, I, and it's just and it's unfortunate. Not not that we're just only football crazy but of course we know softball is a thing as well softball is a man i've often long said that that softball in terms of popularity is is girls football <laughs> like is at least down in this area you know um and 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 again even with them you know you run the risk of injuries you run the risk of putting your players at danger um because just the 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 the, the conditioning aspect is not there um so so i don't know man i i, I guess and we'll we'll, we'll kind of ask a few pointed questions about GHSA sports in a minute. Uh, but um, I just think those are some things to, to, to definitely look at. I think what I'm going to be watching for, um, like I said, we talked about how the athletic uh, let some folks go. Sometimes I, I wish, you know, I, I, one of my uh, the guys I used to, one of my colleagues that uh, have written, did some work for me before, Mitchell Northam. He's a great guy. Um, and uh, he was tweeting the other day and he was saying, you know, instead of offering some of these guys upwards of two hundred thousand dollars 
you know, to, to pay them, to pull them from an ESPN or to pull them from wherever, you know, couldn't some of those guys have eaten a little pay cut to, to keep the freelancer or to keep the, the lower paying guy on, you know? And so I just, I don't know, man. It's just, like I said, it's, I mean, we can speculate things without being privy to their backroom operations, but, but you've got a lot of guys. And I think Jason, you've made a tweet about this. Um, when it first all kind of fell out, you got a lot of guys that are going to be free agents. Uh, are some good young ladies as well. Guys, girls, I'm not saying that gender specific. You got a lot of people, a lot of good sports journalists who are looking for work. And, and here's what I'm thinking, guys. Whether we start the season on time or whether we started in September, October, you can, you can probably bet that there's probably going to be a little lag in fan participation if there are going to be fans at all. I mean, because all the leagues that we're talking about starting back up right now are saying, hey, no fans, you know, they're just 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 playing games. Do we think that that GHSA will go to that extreme? And if they do, how much more important then does it become for you to have good journalists out there telling stories when you don't have fans in the seats? Yeah, you talk about telling the stories. I mean, that's going to be – there's even going to be an importance on gamers at that point. Yes. You're going to have to have guys that can give you a quality gamer, give you in-depth stats and statistics and every everything in between for these games because people are not going to be able to see these games with their own two eyes. So the idea of not having fans at high school is something that's going to have to be considered. But, man, it's just hard to imagine not having you know parents at your own game. I know, man. And, and that's, I, I, you know, not having your parents there, not having, you know, your, uh, you know, anybody just beyond the coaches and, and just even think about what that's going to sound like, you know, like, it, like it's, it's going to feel like we're just sitting at practice, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, but it's, it's also, again, one thing that I used to love about what we did in, uh, Covington is especially for big games, we would, um, basically have one guy, on social media, on one corner of the football field, one guy on the other. And we literally like broadcast on Twitter almost every play, especially the meaningful ones, but like every scoring play, every, it was chronicled and people were saying, and I remember one guy uh, in the Covington area said, you know, he was like, Hey, follow Cub News Sports. Watching their coverage is almost like watching the game on TV. Like that was just how it was, you know. And and I think, man, it's going to become more important to have that kind of coverage, you know, going forward. Especially if and even if they say, "Hey, fans, come on," you got to think some are not going to want to come (laughs) just because they're going to be scared of what could happen. And if you think about publications that have never done that before, yes. They want to say, oh, we'll flip a switch. Sure, we'll have somebody out there. If you've never done that, I mean, that this is years of preparing to do things that way yes. to make it look easy. Okay. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy so at You're going to have publications out there that are trying to flip a switch, say, oh, we'll just transition to do that. I can't wait to see what some of the output looks like because it's good. I mean, there, there's going to be some some really steep learning curve. And you talk about local papers, you know, showing your local paper as a sports editor, the value you have, you are going to generate so much revenue for your paper. 
if you can do a, a quality job of, you know, if they have empty stands and people not showing up to these games, if you do a quality job on social media and diagramming these plays with video yes. through Twitter and Facebook and your various mediums, you're going to, you're going to, man, I mean, people are going to be tuning into, if you're coming to news, people are going to be tuning into coming to news. Absolutely. You, you're going to create a new niche, I guess, for, for sports coverage that you can capitalize on and that you can monetize and that you can be, cause that was a, that's a, that's a, another thing that sometimes people miss. Like we were out there doing what we were doing but we weren't just out there just just shooting the breeze like we were doing things that were making our publication money you know we were doing things that we had paid sponsorships because of the stuff that we did and so i i you know i i'm hoping because here's the thing what, what could happen a perfect storm if you will if you have no fans or smaller groups of fans coming to these games you're going to have a larger group of fans trying to find alternative ways to 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 take in the coverage of these games. But if you're not going to hire, at least hire back your staff that you got rid of, if you're a newspaper, if you're not going to at least bring back bare minimum what you got rid of, you're going to put yourself behind the eight ball. Because like Jason says, if you just think you're just going to go out there you know, and just say, yeah, let me go ahead and take out my trusty cell phone. And, uh, and uh, you know, while I'm trying to keep stats and I'm trying to do this and photos as a one man, it's just not going to go well. You're going to have to have people in place, but you're also going to have to have a strategy in place to make those things happen so it's just it's going to be interesting to see man what how how our news outlets will respond as we start getting more clarity on what this return is going to look like i mean it just reminds me of some of the games where you know if you were alone or i were alone and we're sitting there with a laptop <laughs> oh, in the bag man. phone hooked up to some type of external charger man we in the grass bag. you know trying to trying to edit <laughs> photos and, and and take stats at the same time you know i mean i, I mean i remember one guy time i was i was, was working with henry and uh the guy he's like i want to be sports journalist i want to do it and he shadows me and so i'm in the press but yeah this, this is yeah he jason's laughing because he already knows the kind of grind we used to have to do sometimes there and so he's shadowing me to stock high school football game Stockbridge really really great program in Henry County and uh he sees me and that at, at, I kid you not he's watching me from press box doing Twitter and Facebook keeping stats writing the story as I go then going down to the field taking photos and all of this has to be done the game is done at 10 o'clock and I've got to file my stuff by 10 45. And he at the end of it was like, dude, I have absolutely no idea how you just did all that. And I was like, dude, I don't know how I did it either, but I know I'm tired as you know what. And it's time for me to go home. So, so again, you know, and I, and I was a fairly, you know, exuberant, youthful guy. I mean, I'm 40. I'm not that old, but I was like in my, you know, early thirties then. But I mean, just think about it. You know, it's, it's not, it, like he says, just, it's not the easiest thing to do. If you're just thinking you're just going to come out there, flip a switch and it's going to happen. Um, Jason, I mean, uh, I, I want to start. I would hear from you too, Jason. But I want to start, Michael. What do you think, man? Uh, as we as we kind of shift towards closing this out here, what, what do you think? Uh, you are what? What are the things that you're looking forward to seeing most? Like, what are maybe some of the top storylines you're thinking about uh, as we get things started? So maybe a couple players. I know you're more familiar with the Newton County Covington area. What is on? What's kind of on your radar as we get started back up here at GHSA Sports? Yeah, I mean, just talking a little bit about the Newton County area. I mean, it's it's been a breeding ground for a lot of top football talent, and we're seeing that grow as the years continue. Um, Defensively, I think of Newton. That that defensive squad this year is just going to be better. 
Um, I miss covering them so much, man. man that is a fun group, I especially miss under Coach Grant. Yeah. He's an outstanding coach. But I think the main thing I'm actually thinking about is more of kind of a statewide thing is as we see regional alignments. How these schools fit in their regions, you know. Eastside's going to be taking on the Clark Centrals of the world yeah. now in 5A. And, I mean, I was looking at it right here. Newton, they're, they're, that may that, be the tough, toughest dude, region. That Do you have their schedule up? I don't have their schedule up. But they, just talking about the region, yeah. Brookwood, Grayson, Parkview, South Gwinnett, and then they're going to be playing still Eastside now. <laughs> They that schedule is their schedule. I don't know if anybody, if, if either one of y'all can pop that schedule up real quick. That schedule that Newton has has got to be the most gauntliest of gauntlet schedules in high school football, Georgia high school football this year. I was amazed. I mean, I think they've got everything from Buford and from you know all of these. I, I don't know. Jay uh, Michael is is, is looking for it. that. Uh, but uh, speaking of Buford, Jason, you you brought up a point too um, off before we got on air about just kind of the way that um, people are going to actually manage practice. And I know that for me is kind of one of the things that's on my radar, manage practice. And you were talking about Buford and, and what you found out from them. Yeah, they were saying because of the, the personnel limits. And when I first read the limit, 20 person limit, I thought that was 20 players. Yeah, It's actually 20 players and coaches combined. Wow. Total. So when you think the small number that represents to have a coach and part of a squad from a football team on the practice field. That's nobody. Yeah. And right. so they're, they were talking about the fact they're going to have to start their first practice seven o'clock in the morning and end their last practice at between nine and nine thirty at night. Yikes. You're going to run that schedule five days a week. And you're talking about just back to back shuffling back in to back 20 in 20 out, 20 in 20 wow. out. Wow. Think about those Newton games where we, when they, Played on, uh, took on Buford. Yeah. And how many players they had on that sideline? Oh, Buford's a university. <laughs> like, I mean, let's, you know, Buford is, is, is the University of Buford out there. I mean, the, from the stat, from the, the facility, the staff that they have, all of that. But yeah, you're right. You, you, they probably got 160 players on their sideline and you're shuffling 20 in, 20 out. That is an all day, everyday grind. What is that going to look like, man? Even, I'm even just taking it practically. What's that going to look like for some of these coaches got families? And, 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 and every I mean, every coach is used to not having family time. But, you're I mean, right. That's you're right. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. I don't. I don't. That's next level. That's yeah. that. That's next level stuff. Michael, did you pull up Newton's yeah, schedule, man? I've got the Newton schedule here. So we always talked about in the past East Side and now East Side and Woodward game. We're always excited. Yeah. Well, now we get Newton at Woodward Week One. Oh my! Or God. Newton versus you, Woodward. Newton versus Woodward Week One. This okay. Is according to Max Preps, then they got Alcove and then they have East Side. So the intercounty uh, matchups. Then it's McKeatron on the road. Houston County on the road, Parkview on the road, Brookwood, and then at Mill Creek, at Grayson, and then you end the season against South Gwinnett. Good gracious. That is the, I think, the toughest. Have you ever, have you ever, with no conditioning to build up to? With no conditioning to build up. Jason, we've been doing this for like 10 years. Have you ever heard of a team that we've covered have that kind of a schedule? Like, no. Nowhere I, close. Not I've, even the same ballpark. Dude, I have never seen – I've never covered a team, which is why I miss covering. I want to see what that looks like. I've never covered a team that has that kind of a schedule. And one thing to add, and something that was kind of on my mind of storylines for Newton schools, they're going to have a new quarterback next year, probably sophomore Javar Martin. So yeah. brand-new quarterback against that, those teams. 
I hope he does well, but it, that is the toughest. I mean, toughest he game. looks the part. He's like he's probably like six five at this point. I know he was a tall kid when I was there before. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting stuff, man. I know that I'm going to be looking for for that. I'm going to be looking at um, what the trickle down is going to look like for the rest of. Of course, everybody's all jacked up about football and softball, but but guess what? You know. Basketball, my, my, you know, my brother-in-law's a head basketball coach at, uh, Forest Park High School. Uh, you know, uh, uh Courtney is, a, is the head, uh, well, assistant, uh, girls coach and they just won a state championship. Like, you know, what is that going to look like for their summer leagues? What is that going to look like for the fact that they actually start in October, late October, early November practicing for the season? You know, how's that trickle down going to affect if we, if we end up pushing all this stuff back some because of the dates, you know, what's that going to do for basketball, for wrestling, for, you know, all these other sports. That's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at, man. Well, how many athletes are cross sport athletes? Yeah. That their endurance isn't just made for one sport. Exactly. They're building through football season to get to basketball season, to get through wrestling or whatever season they got. You can't build endurance for one sport when you're used to getting ready two, three, four months. Right. Right. It's going to be crazy, and it's going to be interesting to watch. But it's also going to, again, make for some pretty cool stories that we're going to be able to tell um, because of this. So so I want to just real quick as we close out, we've got a couple other things I want to talk about. We're going to, I'm going to push those back to next week. But, but, uh, but I want to close out by just saying this. I'm excited about what we're doing, what we're bringing to the Checkdown. Uh, if you are on Facebook, follow us at the Checkdown. It's what it is. It's what it's called. And uh, if you connect, if you're connected with any of us um, via our social media uh, platform, I want to hear from you in terms of the things that you want to hear about. Like I said, we have our specifications or our, uh, you know, areas that we know the most about. Uh, but, but we are wanting to touch the entire state of Georgia because from north to south, north to middle to south Georgia and everything in between. Um, I just believe Georgia pound for pound has some of the best, um, high school athletics in the country. And, um, and I think there are stats to back that up and i'm not even just talking about football either i'm talking about every pretty much every sport that you want to see so we want to hear from you we don't just want this to be a thing of what we dream about and we want to just talk about stuff to get off our chest at the at the at the ultimate crux of the matter if we're going to be successful it's going to be because you're going to love what you're hearing from us so we want to hear from you we want you to sound off to us and let us know uh, what you want to hear us talk about who you want to hear from uh, like I said, some of the work I do with Georgia Sport, Sports Writers Association, kind of anchoring. I want to anchor this podcast toward that statewide group and just kind of have a a very broad perspective of the things that we cover. Uh, so we're going to come back to you um, next week. I'm going to try to catch up with the new uh, head football coach at Rex uh, at Forest Park High School, Rex Robertson. Um, he is a former um, offensive coordinator at Meadow Creek uh, under head coach Jason Carrera, and then any of you who are uh, state football aficionados, you know the job that uh, Carrera and that coaching staff has done in turning Meadow Creek around uh, from an also ran into a state, a state playoff you know, contender. Uh, 
Coach Rex Robertson, whom I got to know first as the offensive coordinator at Eagles Landing uh, during those Coach Technip days, he's a great offensive mind. He's a Forest Park High alum, and he has done some amazing things even now before they even touch the field to just breathe some life back into that program. So I'm going to try to ch- catch up with him. Got a couple of coaches, got a couple of ADs, got a couple of recruiting guys, uh, maybe an athlete or two uh, that I want to want to bring on over these next couple of weeks uh, that we can use to get started. But listen, guys, uh, we are going to and then and then I think the thing that we're going to lead off with next time, um, I want to talk about not just the pandemic effects, but we have gotten into some major uh, societal social issues, man, uh, with the George Floyd uh, situation, of course, uh, definitely just want to make sure we're not tone deaf. We understand um, that America is kind of in the middle of a revolution right now where, um, you know, a lot of times here's the crazy thing about this, not going to get too deep in the weeds, but but here's the crazy thing about this. Um, a lot of times, man, these things will happen. And then it'll kind of go away. You know, the, the, the big emphasis will go away because you've got other things happening. LeBron James goes off for 60 points and all of a sudden we're talking about that. But coronavirus shuts everything down and we have no choice but to look at our, our country in the mirror and say, dude, we got some stuff, we got some stuff to work on, especially when it comes to racial injustice, especially when it comes to those types of things, civil rights matters. Um, I read a story, a couple of stories are really interesting about how people are making this push to say black athletes, especially the, the, you know, your five star, your four and five star recruits, your blue chip guys, how they should start matriculating back toward the HBCUs the historically black colleges and universities. And if that happens, what would that do to change the landscape of college athletics? That's bro. That's a heavy question, <laughs> man. That is a heavy question because when you think about it um, before um, the, 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 you know, the PWIs, the, the predominantly white institutions were integrated all of the guys, you think about your your Walter Paytons and your Jerry Rices and, and guys like that. Like those guys played at HBCUs, mm-hmm. and and you got like thirty dudes in the NFL Hall of Fame that came from HBCUs, and they went there because they couldn't go anywhere else because you know the other schools weren't weren't recruiting black athletes. Uh, but then they started recruiting black athletes, and now college football. The difference between then and now is college football is a multi billion dollar industry, man. If you start shifting some of that and certain different ways what could that possibly do to uh you know to to the status of college football it's crazy oh man it's uh, it's it, 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 it just goes out of my mind imagining all these top athletes shifting back and it it would be such a statement i think yeah yeah it, it would and and it would draw the ire of many i'm sure but uh it would definitely be a statement and so that's the thing that i want us to lead off with next week when we awesome. do this again we're going to jump right on into that and then we're going to have our guests so listen guys again this is the first uh episode of the checkdown and i am your host gabriel stovall i got michael pope with me i got jason muscle with me uh the water boy has taken off he is back in front of the playstation now uh playing 
winning NCAA football 2014. How about that for a throwback? My PS3 guys know about that game. He's, he's, he's making all kinds of new players and all kinds of stuff. So he'll be back though. Um, that dude will be back. He'll be sharing his, some more of his, uh, insight on NBA, uh, happening. So listen, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed it, tell somebody about it. If you didn't, tell us about it so we can get better, guys. And until then, we'll see you when we see you. We're out. We'll holler.